Hello, and welcome to the Old Soul Archaeology Podcast. My name is Michelle Janae. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Are you ready to dig deep? Hello, and welcome back to Old Soul Sojourn. My guest today is Aurora Light. And I just want to welcome you Aurora to the show and then I'll introduce you. Thank you so much. I am so so happy that we get to chat today. Yeah, this is going to be fabulous. So to introduce, Aurora is a joy alchemist and soul embodiment guide that empowers visionary leaders to become conscious creators of their reality who are ready to take a quantum leap ahead in their business and life using mindset creative expression, and multidimensional mastery through belief repattering, DNA activation, light language, and joyful alchemy. She supports light leaders to remember who they are, connect with their soul essence, and transform everything holding them back from awaking their infinite potential by integrating their amazing intuitions into aligned action. Aurora bridges the intergalactic spiritual truths with practical action steps, integrating body, mind, and soul and helps people go from fearing their spiritual gifts to activating the superpower of their own light. Aurora loves holding space for these epic transformations as a speaker, best-selling author, course creator, and mentor, and is the founder of Joy Evolution and Dancing Into Being and co-founder of the Radiant Evolution Collective. There is so much to dive into there. So I always like to back up and start with the beginnings of your journey, because we all, we all have our stories, right? And those stories kind of compile, even as we collect baggage or leave baggage along the way. Tell me about how you grew up. Is, is this sense of spirituality and higher connectedness, has that always been a part of your life or did you come into it sometime later? It really was always a part of my life, at least in the background. So I always had a connection to spirit. I was claircognizant without knowing what that meant. I would receive downloads of information and I would be confused as to why other people did not know the things because it just showed up in my mind, these understandings, which caused some really interesting social situations (laughs) as a kid and teenager. And when I was just eight years old, though, I did have not a download, but this disembodied voice speak to me very clearly saying that I was going to be a spiritual teacher. And at the tender age of eight, I already had enough of an ego trying to protect me that said, what, me? No, 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 no. You got it all wrong. I'm a kid. And it went on to tell me about this global mission and all of these things. And I spent the next um, many years sort of shoving that down, going, I'm not really anybody special. I mean, sure, I can do anything that I want, but I want to make sure that I'm staying humble and not asking for too much. So I just played my life out kind of cool and just saying like, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a helper, just like pretty much everyone else. So what was the turning point? I can imagine that as a, as a young 
girl growing up from eight and maybe moving into um, into puberty and really feeling that that womanhood settle in like th there's all kinds of conflicts without having the spiritual disembodied voice saying you're you're being called to something bigger and yet there's this part of me that thinks wow we all want to know our life path so why couldn't that happen to all of us and yet i can understand the the disconcerting feeling what was the turning point for you how did you move into accepting it embodying it and uh, sharing that with people I'd love to say that there was just one lightning moment, but there really wasn't. As a young teen and um, child, a lot of my life was just gymnastics. I was a competitive trampoline and tumbling artist. I was also dealing with some stuff at home where my parents had divorced, my mom was an alcoholic, so home life wasn't always something that I was focused on. And it's not that I was just trying to survive, but I was just really living and focused on living and exploring. And then I realized when I was in university and just studying all these kinds of things that I loved that I did still wanna be a teacher of some kind. And I assumed it was gonna be a professor. That's just what I knew. I was like, I don't really like kids. So I'll go into academia. And then I moved through academia and get up to my third or fourth year and realize it is the most close-minded place, mm -hmm. those ivory towers where you have to fight to the nail for new ideas. And I did not want to be a part of that. Um, I intuitively knew I would not really fit into that kind of structure. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go get my master's in social work and I'll help people that way. I was working to accrue all of these volunteer hours that you need to be able to do that from a non-social work undergraduate degree. I just got the 420 hours of volunteering at the distress center, which I loved. Um, I was a supervisor and I was training the volunteers. And then they changed it to, you need 2000 hours. Like the, the same week that I finished my volunteer hours. So I'm like, well, that's not happening. That's obviously not my path. Wow. And I just kept living. I was working at a dinner theater and I worked my way up to be um, a operations manager. And I spent most of my life immersed in that. And it was really just these series of events that I now realize were teaching me all of the skills that I was going to need. I was going to require having these management skills. I was going to require having this experience. And the catalyst really would have been when I broke my ankle after I had moved to Edmonton, where I am now, and I had met a lot of soul family and my husband, I broke my ankle and I suddenly could not do the things that I would normally do. And being taken out of my regular everyday, just living, I had to focus on what it is that I really needed, how to take care of myself how to envision my life and structure it up. And I realized what I really missed the most out of all of that was to be able to dance. It was killing me to not be able to dance. And so I said to the universe, okay, I guess one of the ways that I need to teach is to teach dance. I was 28 years old, had no formal experience as a dancer. I was a gymnast. So I had no idea how it was gonna work out, but I just left it up in the air after that declaration, I healed and then I found hula hooping. 
And I became a professional hula hooper. And I was really good at it. It fused in my dance and gymnastics. And I created my first business, Dancing Into Being. I pulled in the spiritual, the mindset, as well as the mastery through movement and helping people connect to that flow. And I wound up as a teaching artist in elementary schools, as well as summer camps, daycares, touching base with all these kids and inspiring them to move in the way that they actually wanted to move, not in how they thought they should, right? Taking off the masks of looking cool and into their own unique soul essence. And I loved it. It was a dream job. I couldn't believe people paid me to do that. And I'm like, oh, look, I'm a teacher. I'm doing all these things that I love. But spirit had more in store for me. And I always knew that in the back of my mind that I had that global mission. And in 2019 at the summer solstice, it just dropped in a download again and disembodied voices going, it's time. <laughs> it's wow. time now. <laughs> and they were like, quit teaching in person, like scrap it all, start moving your business online. You're going to work with adults mostly now, not kids as you had been. And you need to rebrand. And it took me some time. It's not like every piece of information dropped in, but I went on this basically soul search of what really would light me up. How could I share my gifts? I started investing in coaching. Like, how can I bring my business online? It used to be all word of mouth, right? And didn't have to advertise. People would just be like, oh, hey, come teach this class. Hey, perform here. And I was getting up and running when COVID hit. And I was like, oh, okay. Now I understand why spirit told me bring everything online. And I was ready. And I was able to um, just accelerate my plans. All my in-person workshops were canceled, but I was told back at that summer solstice, I needed to hold space for a spiritual awakening that was going to be happening soon. And again, that's, that's what really happened. And now I've been teaching people to trust their intuition, to trust their downloads, even when it doesn't make any sense at all, because we are being guided in ways that we can't imagine until we have that hindsight. Yeah, I was just thinking about all of your hindsight right now. It's, I mean, looking back at so 2020, but I also, I also detect from your story, this sense of surrender. And I have to laugh because you didn't, you know, I don't like kids. I'm going to be a professor. I'm going to go into academia. And then you end up teaching children and, and how beautiful and the experience and how much you loved it. That, mm -hmm. that to me is um, significant in that we, we don't always know what's best for us from the 3D level, but 5D, you know, obviously has other plans for us. I also wanted to mention when I started my shamanic training, it was a uh, right around the time that I sprained both ankles. Mm -hmm. I was on a hike in the middle of the woods. If I hadn't been able to walk out, um, which was immensely painful, it took hours to get out, but uh, yeah, both ankles. Luckily we had walking sticks and my husband is a, a hospital worker and medic, but it was very interesting that alignment, right? With, okay, you, you can't go to work, you're laid up. So let's try some shamanic journeying. <laughs> and I actually went to my first shamanism uh, workshop with, you know, basically on crutches. So it was kind of, kind of interesting how the physical shows up for us in ways to go to put the brakes on, I guess, and point us back to ourselves. 
yes. Sometimes the messages aren't as loud and clear as the ones that I have received, but it had been knocking on my door and my body when I was teaching like 30, 40 hours a week, gymnastics, dance, hip hop, hula hooping, circus, my body was getting really sore. And I just asked it what it needed. And it was like, I'm not going to get any better until you actually stop doing this and step into what it is that you are here to do next. Right. And I knew (laughs) that something would take me out an injury, an accident. If I didn't start making steps forward and it wasn't like I had to take the flying leap that day, I spent nine months creating and and moving things around and finishing out contracts but I knew that if I didn't start taking that forward momentum something would make me and I didn't want to go through a repeat of that accident yeah so so very interesting right because we we do get the signs but we're not really taught to appreciate them and in the society we live in it's really easy to disregard them for ego protection or, you know, our, our own, uh, just, just living. Right. I I love how you said it wasn't like I was in survival mode. I was just living, which is kind of an interesting way to look at things. Cause I, I know that, um, in some of my own inner work, survival mode has been huge, but like just living in a sense is, is a surrender. So it's almost like I see three different parts to the path. And I want to get your take on this because you can be in survival mode, which has its um, protective mechanism. And maybe it's partially healthy. It's kind of like shadow, right? Where it serves you for a while, but then at a a certain point, it's like, you're done here. So either move on. (laughs) And then there's the just living part, which sometimes can be just denial. And sometimes it can just be surrender, right? We're just moving through. The surrender part is the part where, you know, if, if you're, I remember um, in a certain doctor's appointment, I think when I was uh, pregnant and the doctor's like, just relax. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go ahead. Force it, you know, and then you have that higher walk. The third, the third part where you, you allow this opening, which seems to me to be this extension of surrender, but it's not the just living part. How does one make sense of that <laughs> with all of the messages that we get? Hmm. Yeah, I really like how you put that because it's like there's two tracks, but one is an expansion of that. And when I look back, the time that I was in my 20s and so-called just living, it was like I was gathering experience. I was learning what I needed to learn. I was exploring life. I was being human. I was meeting the people that I needed to meet. And then there came a point when I was ready. So it was about alignment, both within myself and doing all of, I I mean, I still had healing. I wasn't in survival mode, but I had a lot of healing to do from childhood, old wounds, things like that to come into more authentic levels and layers of my being. And then I was ready. There was an interesting point in between those two times though, where I had moved to Edmonton and I thought I was going to be going to school, back to school to take this natural health practitioner program. I moved here, 
then I got the syllabus and I'm like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. So I decided that it wasn't for me, but I realized that the program got me to be where I needed to be faster than I would have gone on my own, where soul family, my, my now husband was living here as well. So now I say, oh, I moved to Edmonton for my husband, but no, I did not. When my <laughs> old boss at the time told me I was moving not to go to school, but to get married and have babies, I was horrified. And I almost threw hands at him. I was like, how dare you insinuate that? He was right. He was a visionary. But when I moved here and I wasn't doing the thing I thought I was going to do, I was like, okay, I'm going to find the thing. I'm going to find the thing. And I couldn't. It was like every time I tried to move forward, there was a block put up energetically to me. And it was like, not right now, not right now, because there was more space where I was supposed to be just living. And someone that read tarot was like, you are in the hangman position and it's not death. It's this space of needing to be still. And really then I realized it was about gestation because there were all of these things inside me that had been planted that I needed to build and to grow. I knew there was going to be a business, a new career path and all of these things, but I didn't know exactly what it was and I wasn't ready for them yet. So I, I love the gestation part because I've, I, in my journals the last few days, I've, they've been yelling at me, sit still sit still. And of course I have all of these things going on. I have a podcast. I have uh, projects that I'm working on. How do you know in your experience with your joy evolution and your belief repatterning, how, uh, repatterning, how do you know what to hang on to and what to let go of? How do you know how to gestate or to allow for, uh, you know, again, I think it's, it's, it's surrender too, but at the same time, it's like, well, is this part of the growth or is this, <laughs> I imagine myself as a speedboat this morning, throwing out all the baggage because I wasn't, I didn't have the speed. So what's in the bags. And that was actually, I have to say, it was while I was listening to your meditation, which is absolutely beautiful. I want to mention to everyone, um, a beautiful meditation on www.joyevolution.com, Aurora's um, website while I was listening to this and the vision or the um, visualization that you, that you talk about, is it of a speedboat, right? That was something that I came to on my own as I'm releasing this energy out from the plug of my root chakra, but it was really about, okay, all of this baggage has to go, but am I supposed to consciously know, are we supposed to consciously know what that baggage is or just trust the big question, right? <laughs> I think it's both. <laughs> it's always very, very multidimensional. Mm. And I now have a lot of practice of being in that gestation place. Uh, when I was literally gestating my child, but there have been two other times, one after I received that first download and I was not sure where I was going to go with my business and the rebranding. Then there was another one back in sort of November, December of this year. And now I'm familiar because my consciousness is aware, oh, this is what it's like mm -hmm. to be gestating. And sometimes it feels like I'm in the void space of possibility. And I just need to be in stillness. And for me, 
there's a huge level of surrender and trust of I am meant to be here, but you have to be in your body and trusting your body signals and trusting your intuitions so you don't get stuck there forever because that can happen. And as soon as you feel the momentum start to build, like basically it does during the birthing process, then you make the movements forward. So it comes to this point of needing to be in perfect presence and alignment with your body so you can feel when it's time to rest, when it's time to move forward and you allow it to be what it is. But you can also sense like when you're getting the restlessness, okay, maybe this is time to move forward. And sometimes you need help because you feel stuck. And that's when we can call on friends, coaches, healers, colleagues saying, I need some support. And I had to do that and, and physically evict my daughter from my womb because she wasn't leaving. And I didn't, it felt like the right thing to do intuitively. I was like, she needs help getting out. And I was also in my past, I had trained as a doula because I thought maybe that was my path. So after she was born and I asked her about it when she was say three years old, do you remember being in my belly? She goes, yeah. And I couldn't find my way out. Mm. So following my intuitive guidance needed to give her a little bit of a nudge and I was induced. And I feel like it's just a great metaphor for sometimes we need to get an external push. And sometimes we can ask for it. Sometimes the universe will do it. It's all perfect and divine as long as we're listening. And then we can (laughs) see aligned action based on what we hear and feel. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, one of the the biggest things I've learned working with intuition and inner wisdom is embracing paradox, right? Because we do have this inner wisdom and we kind of swing the pendulum far, far to the other side where we don't, you know, well, I don't need any external advice. External advice is the problem. It's what got me where I'm at, right? Not listening to myself, but it really is not either or, but both and. And I think that's an important reminder in addition to the fact that our our focus, at least in the Western world, is very mental. It's not bodily. It's not it be in touch. I mean, not only are we not in touch with our emotions, but we're really not in touch with our bodily senses. It's numb everything, right? So if there's pain immediately, what can we do to make this go away to, you know, block it, ignore it, you know, whatever. So that's, that's a beautiful reminder too, to really feel that embodied wisdom, which isn't easy and probably why we need the external help of teachers and coaches like you. It is my area of specialty right now because through practice of both listening and not listening and bringing my conscious awareness to it, I know when I am doing it and I know when I'm ignoring it. But I think it's, yes, total paradoxical consciousness in all spiritual things, but it's not necessarily a paradox for this particular one because I think you should always go to self first. And you ask yourself, And if yourself is saying, I need outside support, then you go, okay, great. But you don't ask the outside support before you've checked in with yourself. Right. Almost, almost too, once you've got that external support to check in again and make sure this is the external support you need. So it really is kind of a back and forth. um, Yeah. 
spiral. Constantly. Yeah, yeah. Not not so much a pendulum back and forth, but now pendulum spiral, right? That healthy spin of the the internal, the external, uh, checking back in with yourself. And I think that's, um, it, it's very hard. That was hard for me for many, many years. And I think it's led me down my path. And we've talked about this before when we chatted. Um, it's just, it's really gratifying, right? To see not only to see it within ourselves and to go through our own initiations and learn how to be aware of being aware, but seeing people's eyes light up, right? Seeing breakthroughs. So talk to me about the favorite parts of your work. What, it, what, is, what lights you up when you work with your clients? Having conversations like this, first off, is one of my favorites, be they clients, colleagues, interviews, having conversations that delve into all of this lights me up so much. So I'm just wanting to <laughs> say that I'm truly enjoying our conversation and the moments where people in sessions or in groups with me go oh, I remember. And it's that we've been guiding them closer and closer to their true aligned embodied essence, tapped into the highest self, bringing that wisdom down and through. And it's very clearly an internal shift for them of realizing they have everything they need to do everything they are here to do. And there's a peace that descends upon them when they are fully feeling that connection of their own divinity, their own magical multidimensional self is fully present in that moment. And it's so visceral and tangible, they can never doubt it again. Even if they have moments where they get stuck in the mind, they now know what it feels like. And they can go, I'm off course. What do I need to do to get back to that feeling of home inside myself? Yeah, when they've got that, I've got everything I need. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's not that my work is done, but everything that I want to share with them leads them to that because then they don't need me anymore. Sure, I can help. I can give them roadmaps. I can be an example of what is possible. I can accelerate their evolution. But as soon as I give somebody that connection and not give it to them, I hold space for them to reconnect, then literally everything is at their fingertips forevermore. Right, right. Then you've led them back to their inner wisdom, which is where they've needed to be all along. Now, instead of pendulum, they start spiraling in, in the healthiest sense, right? That spiral growth. And when it comes back around to needing you from an external standpoint, you're also there to support and continue. Um, mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Absolutely. And it does take practice. I find, especially if I'm working with a private client for a six month journey, it's like the first three months we spend transforming the limiting beliefs, unpacking things that we believe that aren't us. And then about halfway through, we start to connect in with that highest self and really align. 
And then it's the practice because that's the thing. We're not designed yet to be able to just click in once and be like, all right, I am ascended and I'm connected to the universe and I'll be here forever. No, we can't hold that yet. I can't hold that. It's so high frequency that we are needing to work the muscles out of practicing it and be reminded because we have these old neural pathways in our brains that say, seek outside of self, look at others first, look to the external to see what is true for you. And we have to completely invert that paradigm to go in first. And it literally takes practice. But once people have that once, it's far easier to remind them and they can channel all of the information they need when it's time for them to have it. So the next part that we get to play with is the trust. You'll have what you need when you need it. And if you don't have it yet, you not supposed to have it yet because there's something else that needs to happen. You're gestating, you're growing, you're playing. If you had everything you needed, the game wouldn't be any fun. Right, right. I think that's like the the human dilemma sometimes is we want to have it all figured out. But if we had it all figured out, what would it would be completely boring. <laughs> we might we might not even need to be here anymore. So the journey with all of its pitfalls and, and tumbles and Uh, uphill climbs and downhill slides really do have their purpose it's just remembering that in the moment that you know what what exactly is this initiation for right (laughs) Mm -hmm. it is the ultimate surrender it is the ultimate interest and that is definitely what people struggle with the most because it from your ego's perspective removes your control from things. But it's only this perspective that you have control. You don't actually have control over anything anyway. And when you fully do that surrender to that higher self, you go, oh, this is everything I ever wanted. And this is everything I ever needed. Right? Right. But it takes a leap of faith. Yeah. It's interesting because I come back to the paradox of that, which is while our ego thinks it has control, often it, it plays the victim. Like there's, there's a lot of control we think that we have in being the victim, but actually taking responsibility. I have been reading a lot of Ho'oponopono um, literature lately and that taking responsibility, you know, it's not about blame. It's not about um, people not, it, it's not about no justice or, you know, all of those other things, but then once you take responsibility, there is a surrender to it. And it doesn't really make any sense based on the way we were conditioned based on the way we're educated. Right. Um, But it's so empowering. It's just tapping back into that again and again and again, like you said, the trust and it's the trust really not in our ego self or the ego that separated from heart. It's trust in them combined, right. Connected. Yes, the whole thing. And I can speak into this now from that perspective of having made the leap of faith and being in trust and being in flow. Like most of the time, I'm still superhuman and I've got moments of doubt, but I have practiced enough now that I do. But it took me a good decade after yet another disembodied voice moment. And I've only had a few in my life came to me when I was washing dishes about 11 years ago and said, you know, you don't need to worry, right? Because everything has always worked out in the end. So why not 
just let go of the worry and freaking enjoy the ride. And it's one of those things, again, easier said than done. (laughs) I had to really practice, really dive in and start to bring the conscious awareness. And looking back, we get to see that things are always leading us where we need to be. And the crises, the most awful things that happen to us are typically the most important catalysts Mm -hmm. for where it is that we need to be headed. So there is something that I call the um, superpower of the silver lining that's attached to that hindsight. If you're consciously aware of things are always working out for me, if I'm looking back at them, I might as well just look in the moment to see how is this actually going to help me? What opportunity is there? And that primes you to look for the opportunity. It shifts your vibrational frequency up so you can actually see the opportunities, the gifts in the challenges, and you can be in that trust right away. And you don't have to go through the whole process of needing to look back on it in hindsight. Right, right. But we can learn from that hindsight, right? If if we can look back and say that everything that has led me to here has been for the greatest and highest good, then why wouldn't it be true in the future? So to that's the that's the ultimate surrender, right? I can't see the future, but I can trust that because this I can accept that this is the way it was in the past. And I think that's the the key, right? Accepting it, then we can accept it for the future. I like to think of there, there's a phrase that if you get on stage, you can be nervous or you can be excited. They're actually the same energy, right? And the nervousness is kind of expecting the worst and the excitement is expecting the best. So it really is about that shift in expectation. Why I like to talk about imagination the same way. Worry is using your imagination. So why don't you shift it from the nervousness to the excitement and really expect good things? Again, I'm not perfect. I've had my moments this morning where I'm like battling between, okay, this didn't work out, but why? And if I get myself into the wallow, if I if I ostrich my head into the mud or I dive down into the muck, then I can't see what's coming. Right. And the trust goes away. Mm -hmm. I love all of that. And I used to teach it every time I was doing a show with elementary school kids where they'd have to perform in front of their school. And we talk about nervousness and excitement Mm -hmm. and about that, the glasses that you wear, the lens of your perception completely colors your reality. So I loved sharing that with them because it's teaching them that they get to choose. They're in charge of the way they feel, which really is priming them to know that they are the creators. They're these divine creators in these forms. And I really believe that your expectation of reality is how it's going to go. Right, right. I love that you've planted seeds in these, these young people. And I can also appreciate the, the focus on adults now, because I think we need to teach the more we can teach adults, the more they can teach their children, right? I, I have this saying that we are the ancestors of the future. I mean, if, we don't, if we're not thinking about the wisdom that we want to pass on, we're kind of missing the boat, right? Um, but yeah, it's beautiful to think that you've touched these little souls and hopefully at some point that the veil lifts and that they can tap back into that in spite of some of the, the conditioning that just that surrounds us. And, um, even seeing that that conditioning is really a part of our journey. It's not that it's negative, right? It's that, okay, this is kind of why you came here. 
right? You wanted to experience forgiveness or you wanted to experience love or you wanted to experience empowerment. This is your opportunity, but you gotta, you gotta work for it. Mm. And I could really feel that right when I was starting my journey, that I was being placed into these schools by spirit in a way that I could not have ever imagined to exchange these codes with these children, with these teachers. And I did that for about seven years, being able to see, um, I mean, 600 to 1,000 students, sometimes a day or every two days in school. So I really was able to do a whole lot. And the timing with everything (laughs) could not have been more perfect for me because I wasn't able to do that in person as soon as COVID hit. So it was just a part of my journey. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And I think that's really one of the greatest lessons for me though, pardon me, was that even though I absolutely loved what I was doing and it was a dream and it was really important, it was okay to let go of it. Right. And I had to do it faster than I thought I would, because that is just where the energy was flowing and what was perfect. So if, there are people listening to this that are in something that they manifested. This was their dream and they're in it and it's not fitting anymore. You're feeling restless, but you're like, but I have what I wanted. It's okay for your dreams to change and evolve Mm -hmm. because you are, and you're not supposed to be stuck in any one thing anymore. That time is way in the past. Right. Yeah. That, what a beautiful reminder, Aurora, that yeah, I mean, we do manifest certain things, but we're always in a state of co-creation for better or for worse. So it's okay to know that, that in growth and evolution, that there will be a change of desires and that, you know, stagnancy is never good. (laughs) Mm. It's harder when we're doing something that we always dreamt of doing though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can see this sometimes with um, people who have these big visions and then all of a sudden, if they can't wrap their heads around something beyond that, um, somebody becoming a very famous painter, and then they kind of lose it because they're like, well, now what? Especially if it, if it revolves around some sort of fame. You know, I, I can't come up with specific examples, but I've read plenty of them where, you know, they achieve a certain level of fame and then they're like, well, now what, you know, that they had assigned so much meaning to this one particular thing that now anything beyond that just seems superfluous or superficial, but, um, it's a great reminder to think that it doesn't have to be magnanimous or 15 minutes of fame or anything. If we can find that soul meaning connection to what we're doing in any given moment. Mm, exactly. And sometimes we get that sunk energy fallacy of I've already put mm. so much into this, but maybe you were supposed to do that so you could learn everything that you needed and be prepared for the next step. And I think humans really have trouble with the graciously letting things go part when yes. it served its purpose, when yes. it served its time. I don't think I'd ever heard that put into those words, sunk energy fallacy. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's this our sunk cost fallacy. It's yep. a psychological principle where, but to me, cost is energy. Sure. <laughs> where, you know, you've invested a lot in something and 
you can see it is a sinking ship, but you're like, but I've already put so much into this. And so you keep investing more, investing more when really the most logical thing would be to right. cut your losses. Right. Right. No, I, I, I've heard the concept. I just hadn't heard that term. So um, yeah, it's beautiful. Sometimes we do have to cut our losses, but then they're then to see that they're not necessarily losses, right? <laughs> exactly. They're experience points. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Well, we are quickly running out of time here, Aurora. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. What would be your one piece of advice for the seeker? What would be the one thing that they can do for themselves to surrender? Maybe, I don't know if there's even advice for that, but how would one surrender? It comes down to actually trusting yourself and your imagination. Mm -hmm. What I see so many people doing time and time again is having the downloads, having the intuition and writing it off as imagination as though your imagination was a bad thing. Your imagination is the gateway to your intuition and the multidimensional realm. And when we start to trust what's coming through by getting into the body, that changes everything. So you might not be able to see, you might not be able to hear, but if you're in a body, you can feel. And when we drop in and listen to what our body is telling us. And sometimes we have to go through a bunch of trauma healing to feel safe enough to land in the body. And then we move forward with what feels good in the body, what feels expansive, then you will be brought the opportunities and the directions and all of the gifts and the connections that you need, that you're seeking, right? Your body is that herald. Yeah. So, so beautifully said, easier said than done, but I think too, if we can just breathe and, and I would encourage any of my listeners to go to www.joyevolution.com and check out the soul embodiment activation and you won't be sorry. Yep. You're going to sign up for Aurora's list, but if you have enjoyed any of what she said today and her beautiful wisdom and her humility, I would, I would get that download. Um, there's a beautiful part of that where we won't get into it today. Maybe, maybe next time we can talk about soul language, but beautiful, beautiful um, chanting and, and singing at the end of that meditation. Also, you can find Aurora at facebook.com forward slash Aurora awakening light on Instagram at joyful embodiment on TikTok at radiant evolution. And you can also look for her at joyevolution.group which I believe is the Radiant Evolution Con- Collective. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's where I would say if you're on Facebook at all, it's the best place to connect with me. That's where all the fun happens in the free Facebook group. Beautiful. So you can go right to Facebook and search Radiant Evolution Collective and find it or simply go to joyevolution.group um, and it'll take you right there and you can join the group. Aurora, thank you so much for being, for sojourning with me today. It's been a a beautiful, um, beautiful time together. Thank you so much for having me. I have truly enjoyed it. My cheeks hurt from smiling because having these heart connections and conversations is truly one of my favorite things. So thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. 
so many people on your beautiful podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's really been a pleasure having you here. My name is Michelle Janae. This is Old Soul Sojourn with Old Soul Archaeology. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, dig deep. <laughs>